welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Each week, our hosts will be interviewing local, regional, and national business leaders to give you an inside peek into how they lead their business to success in the ever-competitive business climate. Welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Today, I have a very special guest, a fellow comedian. Uh, Merit Khan is a renowned sales and business development expert with over two decades of experience. She is the CEO of Sell Act Sales Development, where she helps businesses increase their sales revenue through sales training, coaching, and consulting. In addition to her expertise in sales, Merit is also a certified emotional intelligence expert and a certified speaking professional. She's an accomplished author and has written s- several books on sales, emotional intelligence, and personal growth. Merritt is also a talented stand-up comedian writer. She has produced and performed in a one-woman comedy show that inspires and entertains audiences. Despite her busy schedule, Merritt is also a devoted single mother with a teenage child. Well, Merritt, welcome to the show. Well, thanks. Gosh, I'm exhausted just listening to that intro. <laughs> you, are, Yeah, you are busy. I love it. Uh, before we get into what you do, uh, w- w- that was mentioned on the in-, in the intro there, Tell us how you got here. I'm always interested in the origin story. Are you from a family of entrepreneurs? Are you the first? Where did you get this entrepreneurial spirit from? I'm definitely from a family of salespeople, sales professionals. It was never really a question of what was Merit going to do. It was more a question of what is Merit going to sell? My mom was a real estate broker. My grandfather had a used car lot. My grandmother sold Avon. My dad sold advertising, so I I come by it honestly, and it was a very good match to sell sales training and and you know just services and that are valuable to entrepreneurs who are growing their businesses. Beautiful, beautiful. So, what is speaking of sales? Uh, you know, I'm always interested in like what is the difference between marketing and sales, in your opinion. Yeah, I think marketing is everything that comes before a conversation. So once you're in a conversation, that's when sales really does begin. It's that communications piece. And it's so interesting to me because a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, they start their businesses because they're good at what they do. They they just haven't had the time or, you know, they haven't spent the time to get good at the sales part. So they rely a lot heavier on marketing because they're not comfortable necessarily with the conversations and enrolling people into their offers. So I've always had a a belief that if you want to be really good entrepreneur, you, you can outsource a lot of things in your business. You should never outsource sales, at least not in the beginning, because it's going to be harder for you to hire somebody who's going to be able to sell in your business if you don't know what that's like yourself. Hundred percent. I I can't agree more than that. Yeah, and, and and like, how do they? I mean, even if you train, even if you hire out and you trade, you train somebody else to maybe sell. It's if you're if it's a service based business like mine, architect or contractor, you're really selling your. It's a very special way of how you're doing the service. I feel like more more than products. Um, what would you have to say? What, what do you think? You know, top performing sales professionals, entrepreneurs. What do they need to know? to consistently grow their businesses? Well, I I love that question. And let me preface it by it. It's a very different answer 
if I was saying that to somebody who sold a widget, you know, like a very specific product or a click here, buy now, you know, here's our offers. But when I think about you, what you do in the world and the people who are listening to this podcast, really these, my clients have always been people who sell something custom, creative, or complex, right? So anything in the design uh, industry, anything that requires, you know, like a, like a conversation, a consultation with somebody who is an expert in that area. That's a very different sales process, right? So you have to be empathetic to your uh, audience, right? You have to be, you have to have empathy for the challenges that they're dealing with that you are a solution for. And at the same time, you have to balance that with a level of assertiveness, not pushy, not aggressive, but assertive and confident that you have a solution that can really fix their problem. So there are some nuances to that versus, you know, maybe you don't have to you know, shine in the assertiveness or or empathy role if you just have a widget and it's like, this is my widget, it's $17, do you want it, right? Like that's a very different sales process than, you know, I don't know if we're a good fit to work together, but why don't you tell me about your challenge and I'll tell you about our solutions and we'll see if we can come up with a custom way that we can team up and partner together and so that you're not having this frustration anymore. And that's what I would say about that. I, I love that you brought up empathy. This is a, a, a shtick that I've been on since I, I read this book that's called uh, uh, Training Your Empathy. And mm -hmm. so since you are uh, an expert in emotional intelligence, this is a two-part question. How, how can understanding your emotional intelligence help sales professionals and business owners? And what should they know about what is the difference between empathy and sympathy? Ooh, ooh, so such good questions. Okay, let me tackle the second one first. So empathy demonstrates that you are putting yourself in someone else's shoes, trying on what they might be feeling like. It's very different from sympathy, which is I'm just feeling sorry for you. I'm not trying to understand it from your perspective. I'm just like, oh, your cat died? sending you know sending heart huggy emoji right like that's you know like sorry S sorry you're dealing with that but em but empathy is like wow i i haven't been in your situation i don't know how that feels but i i i have to imagine that it's really difficult time you know i'd like to i'd like to help right that's it's different empathy putting yourself in their shoes okay the other question you asked me um was i what? can repeat it i'm sorry i can yeah, repeat it i, I just so broke much. one of my cardinal rules as a host like asking two at once don't do that if you <laughs> don't do that if you think about starting a podcast everybody okay <laughs> the, the first question was how can understanding your emotional intelligence help sales professionals and business owners thank you yes got it well okay uh, emotional intelligence at its core is really understanding your own emotions and the impact that you have on other people. And so if you can imagine when you don't understand your own emotions, that's like your triggers or things like that, then you are at the mercy of them, right? But if you understand them and you've learned how to control them. When I say control, I really mean balance, right? I don't mean, you know, you're an angry person, you're going to fly off the handle. And so you need to control that. 
it that's not really what emotional intelligence is in a business context. It's really more about understanding that your level of uh, of optimism versus reality check. So those are two emotional intelligence attributes that we can assess for. I can actually measure your level of optimism and your level of reality testing is, is what we call it. And what that means is if those are out of balance, that's going to show up everywhere in your world. And it's going to show up no matter even whether or not you're thinking about it. So for example, if you are highly optimistic and you have a very low sense of reality, and I'm teaching you how to ask better questions in the sales process, you might have a a, a, a prospect that says, you know what, Lance, um, I really like what you're saying. And I think I think we should do business together, right? Or Or I think there's a possibility here. And if you're optimistic, but you have low reality check, you're going to be like, oh, great. He said yes, right? Like, we're doing this mm -hmm. deal. I'm going to spend my commission on the way home. But even if I've taught you to ask good questions, your over-optimism is going gonna, is gonna to overshadow everything, and you're not going to test the reality of that statement. So if if it's the other way around, you know, they're like, your reality testing is super high, but your optimism is low, you might say something like, oh, I, oh, really? You, you want to work with me? Right. And so, mm. you know, it's like, that's comes across as not confident. What you really want is balance. Mm -hmm. Any of these emotional intelligence attributes, the key is balance. So balance, optimism, and reality check, you might say to them, you know, I really appreciate that you're excited about working with me. I'm excited about the possibilities too. Um, I'm just curious because is there anything that you could think of that might come up to derail this? Anybody else you have to involve in the decision before we move ahead or any obstacles about the time frame or anything so that we can deal with those, you know, apart from our enthusiasm, right? So you're, you're asking questions to deal with the reality and not just hearing things through happy ears. You in, you just have my gears turning, and I I always whenever I have whenever uh, you're you're a great guest so far, but like when I have when I, somebody like you then I, I answers a question like that, I instantly think like, do I have an example of this? Uh, it's all the time, every day for architects, the 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 high optimism that you get from clients where they're like, I just bought a piece of land, I'm so excited about my dream home, and here's my very low reality budget. And that's the struggle. So very, yeah. very interesting. Uh, and I'm sure in other industries, there's other examples of that. Thank you. Thank you for that. That was very insightful and very helpful. Um, <clears throat> in your experience, what is the most, what is most important in your opinion of being successful? Mindset, skills, or action? You know, I ask that question of my audiences all the time when I do uh, big keynotes at conferences and sales kicks-offs and things. And off always, I'll get a percentage of people in the room that are going to pick all three of them, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's a little bit of a trick question, right? Mindset is all about what you think, the mechanics of what you do. It, it Well, mechanics is really about the tools that you use, the skills you have to do your job. So whether that's your skills as an architect or designer, your skills as it relates to sales or leadership, it's having a grasp of the mechanics of the thing. 
Um, but that's really all about what you say, right? It's like you have the good skills and so you're saying the right things. And then being in motion is all about what you do, right? Actions and behaviors that get you to your results. Obviously, all three of those areas are important if you want to be successful in literally anything you can do. But I do believe that um, it's not it's not necessarily that one is more important than the other. It's that we identify as as somebody who has a strength in in generally in one of those areas, and we rely on it to kind of do the heavy lifting for us. So you might be a mindset person, in which case you have a strong, like go-to confident, uh, you know, persona, but maybe you're not in enough action, right? So you've got to like lean into your strength to bring up the other areas. But I do think once you've identified if you're more of a motion person or a, or a mechanics person, then you lean into that area and figure out like if you're if you're good with the the mechanics of what you say then we just need to look at okay how do we get you in more places where you're in action saying all the right things and then because you're having that success cuz you've leaned into your strength you're going to shift your mindset so it's more supportive it's very hard i think to start in mindset i think it's much easier to actually Learn a learn, improve your skills, and then get into action, which shifts your mindset. That's for the most, from the majority of people, how it works. But you know, you can be working on all three of them simultaneously. It's just a matter of, um, you know, kind of doing a little a SWOT analysis to figure out which is my strong suit and which is the one that I have the greatest opportunity for uh, improvement in. <laughs> yeah. The only thing I would push back on is I feel like if you are, uh, let's say you're an expert electrician, you're just very, very good at your job. I, f I think you're going to set yourself up for a more difficult day, no matter how good you are, if you come to the job site with a poor attitude and versus a good attitude. And so, But it's interesting to hear you say then, okay, concentrate on the skill or the action and then get it all the way back to the source. It's almost like there's a feedback loop here of like, okay, yes. let's say you show up with a bad attitude. Fine. Get through the bad attitude by doing something in action to then get or back to the mindset of positivity for something like that. Well, you know, there is something to the theory that motion impacts emotion. Mm. So when you're frustrated, when you're overwhelmed, you, you know, taking some action toward the result that you're trying to accomplish can help you feel like you're doing something and that usually helps the situation. Um, I agree with you though, you know, if you have a bad attitude on a job site, you know, that's gonna, that's infectious. And that's another yeah. good reason why understanding your own emotional intelligence is so incredibly important because you are impacting all of the people around you it's like the it's like the boss or the business owner who comes in a bad mood and everyone's looking around like, what did I do? Mm -hmm. Was it me? And so we're all internalizing. We're meaning making machines. We're making things, you know, it could be that that person had a, you know, a, a fight with their spouse or spilled their coffee on the drive over or whatever. It could be a number of things. And so you don't really know what's going on in someone's mind. But if that same leader learned how to, 
understand and control their emotions because they understood the impact it would have on anybody, everybody else, then they know, hey, look, my walking in in a bad mood is not helping anybody be productive and get their job done. It's not helping anybody move things forward or or feel like more possible, uh, there's more possibility around here. And, and I think especially for leaders and business owners, there's no better thing that you could invest your time and effort and some money in, in uh, than understanding the, the foundation that you are layering all of those good skills on top of, because good skills are only valuable to you if they rest on top of a solid foundation where you're really grounded in confidence, assert appropriate assertiveness, optimism, right? Like you've got problem solving. There's so many things we can assess for. And, and that's really a, a, a critically important piece of the puzzle. A hundred percent. Yeah. So speaking of mindset, you talk about sales mindset. Uh, what is that? Why does it matter? And how do I know if my sales mindset helps or hurts me? Gosh, Lance, you're asking me three questions already in the same way. I know, I know. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, so, you know, I use the term sales mindset because a lot of the people that I interact with are leaders, uh, you know, business leaders, they're owners, they're sales professionals, or they're just, they're really experts in their field, but they want to be more influential with other people. And so I use the term sales for that, but, you know, you can swap sales and influence, you know, you can swap them out, inter interchange, interchange those, but it's really, it, it's really understanding th there's three parts of your mindset, <laughs> right? Cause it used, you know, for a long time, people would say, oh, you got to have a strong success mindset. And I'm like, well, that's great. What do I do? Like tap, you know, tape affirmations on post-its to my mirror and just like, you know, for those of us who are old enough to remember the Saturday Night Live, like Stuart Smalley, like I'm smart enough, I'm good enough and gosh darn people like me. Like it feels like there's more to it than that. So I've what I've observed over the course of my 20 plus years working with entrepreneurs and sales and business leaders and business growth, the, the three parts of the puzzle are your internal mind, what you say to yourself, there's your behavioral mind, that's what your actions say to other people, and then there's your emotional mind, and that's, again, understanding your own emotions and the impact you have on other people. And so when you look at a strong success mindset from those three different vantage points, there are nuances that you could actually be in, in very powerful action on to make improvements. First, starting with awareness, like anything else, you know, I love doing assessments, right? An assessment, you could do an assessment. I do a beliefs inventory for really helping people shine a light on the beliefs that they have, what their internal mind is saying to themselves about what's possible, what's a lot of money, the type of decision makers you're comfortable calling on, the kinds of projects you feel that you are capable and uh, of going after, right? And so that's internal minds. So let's look at them and then choose them from an adult perspective, because sometimes we make these beliefs when we're young or when we're learning our craft and we don't adapt them over time as our skills and expertise grows. And so you find yourself stuck constantly playing these small deal cards when you know you've got the skills and the expertise to play in much bigger deals. 
And so we we sabotage our success by not taking a belief inventory assessment to really say, you know what? I created that belief when I was 24 years old. I didn't have a family. I was drinking quarter drafts at, you know, college campuses. And uh, now I have some bigger goals. I have some bigger dreams. I have some bigger, you know, monetary responsibilities. And so I need to shift that belief about what I thought was a lot of money. And so that's beliefs inventory. A behavioral mind assessment is, you know, as simple as, you know, Google disk assessment and do a free version of that online. There's a lot you could learn about, um, you know, the different personality and behavioral styles that there are. So when you know what you are, you know how to adjust to make somebody else comfortable interacting with you. And then behavioral or emotional mind we've, we've covered, I think. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, what do you think is more, more important for sales success today? Do you think it's technology or technique? I think they're both important. There's certainly so much chatter about um, the use of AI and, you know, chat GPT has really transformed uh, a lot of how we go about sales. I would say this, at its core, it's not technology that makes the buying decision. It's going to, at least for the time being, those decisions are made by humans. And so there is always going to be a human dynamics component to sales. It's about relationship building to the extent that you can use technology to help you in that process. I use technology and I teach how to use something like LinkedIn as an example, which, you know, you may not think of as like the, the cutting edge technology, but if you grow your business through referrals and introductions, there's a deliberate way you can use your sales savvy to, uh, in conjunction with that LinkedIn technology to make sure that the people you're asking for introductions are actually putting their eyeballs on the the contacts in their LinkedIn, you know, all their LinkedIn connections, and it's getting you a better referral conversation. So that's just a simple example. But even, uh, you know, ChatGPT, I use that a lot when I'm writing my own blog posts. So if you go to my website, MeritCon.com, you'll see all these blog posts. Now, what I do is I always write my own original, I use technology to help me find the right keywords, right? Then I use my own thinking about that that phrase. And then I pop what I wrote, maybe the three or 400 words that I wrote into chat GPT. And then I say, you know, expand on this, give me another hundred words, right? So I'm just gonna get a little bit more and it's much easier for the technology to do that for me um, than, than anything else. But I, you know, I, I think, you could use it from, in fact, I'm writing uh, some articles and some and creating some video content on, you know, a hundred different things that you could do with something like chat GPT. I know that's not the only technology, but, um, you know, to make sure to build your prospecting list, to um, find the right categories of, uh, of businesses and contacts that you could be reaching out to. Like there's just a lot of, of, tools at our disposal today that really make sales easier. Um, I'll, I'll give you one other example that I really like is um, uh, there's technology so that there's many systems that do this. I use one called DocSend. And that means that if I'm going to send somebody, or I also use one called Better Proposals. Mm -hmm. So if I'm going to send somebody a proposal, 
I want to know when they're opening it, how much time they've spent on each page. I want to magically call them because it's going to alert me, hey, you know, Lance is looking at your at the proposal you sent. So I want to magically call him at that moment and be like, mm. hey, Lance, I'm just checking in. And then you're like, wow, that's so weird. I was just looking at your proposal. What? That's crazy. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, but why would you send a, a proposal on email or something when you don't know what's going to happen with it? Or, you know, I would never do that. There's, yeah. you know. Anyway, there's lots of technology. I, I still think it's a people business, though. I love that. I'm, I wrote that down while you were saying better proposals. I'm going to check that out myself. We used to use a tracking piece of tracking software just to see when people open emails, but I totally get the value of what you just explained. Um, let's shift over to your book. In your book, Myth Shift, Challenging the Truth Said Sabotage Success, you have a chapter that talks about a concept called redeciding. Can you explain what that means? I work with a lot of business owners and uh, high, like dominant, high level people. And there was a trend I was noticing that, you know, they make a decision and they're, they're just full force going for it. You know, once they've made the decision, it, it was like, that's what we're doing. And then a, a few times there was a situation that, you know, came up uh, a marketplace shift that completely changed the course of action. And had they gone through with that original decision, it would have been a huge mistake or been a very costly way to unravel things later on. And so I started to look at how can I help these high decision makers who pride themselves on being fast and thorough decision makers, how do I give them some language that they could be comfortable with if they ever found themselves in a situation where they really did need to change course of action? And redecide was uh, a, a term that I just, I don't know if I read it somewhere or if I imagined it myself, but when I was able to coach these leaders and say, look, what you say if you need to make a new decision is based on the information I had at the time when I made this decision and we lined up all of our operations and activities according to this decision, that made sense based on what was happening in the marketplace. Now there's been a new shift and it would be a mistake to keep going on that path. So I have redecided our course of action. I've redecided our goal, whatever. And now, you know, in light of this new information. And so the whole concept here is when new information comes into your experience, you have to have the the strength to redecide. It's different than changing your mind like on a whim. It's powerfully looking at the landscape and allowing that to inform you to make a better decision moving forward. And people really, out of, out of everything that I wrote in that book, that's the one that people are, you know, really love. And, and well, there's another one, but that one, you know, people really appreciate. Yeah, well, I love it because it, it I, I thought about it myself too, it, while you were saying that, because it, it allows you, it's not sort of an out. I'm, I'm struggling for the words to use with this in, in terms of, it's not an out or anything like that. It just gives you another option. How about that? It's another yeah. option to redefine sort of moving on, a, move, taking the path and going in a different direction. There's a fork in the road, that sort of thing. But it's yeah. not like you're reneging on anything. You are just exactly. 
Yeah, you were redeciding. I really like yeah, that. Definitely more powerful than like flip flapping, changing yes. your mind. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, politicians aren't listening to this because then <laughs> they will use it. Because <laughs> they're not. Oh, this isn't a flip flop. This was a. I'm redeciding. You know what? Uh, I wish they would. I wish they would actually <laughs> look at an issue and then just say, you know, I, my previous position on this was based oh, yeah. on data we had from 40 years ago, and now I have a new decision. That's a that good would point. be genius. Yeah. Maybe maybe instead of uh, 15 days to flatten the curve, or sorry, maybe instead of a thousand days to flatten the curve, because that's what it ended up being, it could have actually been 15. There you go. Good idea. Okay. Two last questions as we run up on the half hour here, Merritt. Uh, first one is knowing what you know now, and if you could go back in time to when you first started your business, what is one piece of advice you'd give your former self? Oh, there's so much advice I would give my former self. Um, I think the the number one thing would have been to not wait so long before I got the right people around me. Mm. And today that doesn't necessarily mean employees. There's so many ways to get the right contractors and freelancers and, you know, part-time, you know, people. But I just, I really do believe that once I started asking myself, what are my skills best suited for and what should I be focused on and where are the areas that I am not in my genius zone when I'm working on those? And, you know, do I outsource it? Do I know how can I delegate it? Is it a, uh, what did I, I once said it was like a, a an app or a bro or a tool, right? It was like, can I find an app to do this thing that I don't want to do or a person like a, a good old fashioned bro, yeah. <laughs> or is there like some other, you know, tool that can, that can do it. So. That was great. That was great. No, thank you. Yeah. Uh, okay. Merit, you've been, you've been a great, you've been a great guest. I really appreciate your time today. I hope everybody else does too. If people want to find and follow you and check out one of your books, where can they do that? Uh, the hub of everything is my website, which is meritcon.com, M-E-R-I-T-K-A-H-N.com. There's a little let's talk button on the upper right-hand corner. Just click that. Book some time on my calendar if I've said something that sparked your interest, if you're interested or you know uh, curious about your own emotional intelligence. I'd be happy to do an assessment. Um, there's some other, there's free resources on the site. There's lots of good stuff. And uh, chat GPT and I write some great blog posts. So go check those out. <laughs> there you go. Alrighty. Well, thanks so much again for your time. And we wish you nothing but success. Thanks so much, Lance.